three months, uh, our series is going to focus on the book of Acts. Um, then the section of the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the rest of the Jews, is the record of the history of the first century church. Well, at least the beginning of the history of the first century church. And as we're working through these series of studies, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to help us embrace our fears. It's just faith as we learn to be His witnesses. That's one of the key verses for the entire book. You will be my witnesses. You may be, not I sure hope you will be, you will be my witnesses. But the surprise of all surprises, we started a series on the book of Acts and the book of Acts. Why? Because we were looking at the Bible, and this is the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians who were already in Rome. He was going there. He was introducing himself. He had never been there before. There were already Christians in Rome, and he wanted to introduce himself, tell them what he was, give them some teachings about the motherhood. And we're studying the book of Acts, starting to study the book of Acts in the book of Romans, because both Acts and with Paul in Rome. So Romans was written. Introduce himself before he arrived there. So, and in this, the verses we're going to look at today, in the 15th chapter, Paul summarizes, gives a really brief summary of his ministry, of his work for God. So, the summary of the book of Acts is that Paul was like this amazing character, amazing character for over half of the book of Acts. So, uh, I want to invite you to follow along as I read. You can use the blue book uh, there in uh, in your rack, your book rack. You can use the app on your device. You can um, follow along with me here on the screen. I myself am fully convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But I have written more boldly to you on some point, so as to remind you, because of the grace given to me by God, to be a minister of Christ, which Christ Jesus is Gentile. I serve the gospel of God like a priest, so that the Gentiles may become an acceptable offering, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Let's want to pause for a moment. a little narrow. 
check out the words that you see. Alright, so the first verse, second verse, says God gave me the grace. Here you are. We administer Jesus Christ to who? Dead everybody? No. Yeah. Alright, just in case we're not sure that he really meant that, he goes on to say that he does this work so that the uh, Gentiles So I vote to grace Jesus about the things that pertain to God. For I will not dare speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in order to bring about the obedience of the Gentiles. By word and deed, through the power of signs and wonders, and the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem, even as far as Jerusalem, where in the world is that? I'm glad you asked. I looked it up on the map. It's northwestern Greece. But from Jerusalem to northwestern Greece, I fully preached the gospel of Christ, which is Paul's message. He's stumbling his ministry. Right? There's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, it, but it seems to me that in these sentences, uh, Paul is giving some kind of an unspoken question. And that question is, how does the Holy Spirit build the church of Jesus? We have to ask the question that way. Because the church of Jesus is not built by people. The church of Jesus is built by the Holy Spirit and working through people. So we ask the question, how does the Holy Spirit build the church of Jesus? There, there are four if I look at this right and I'm understanding this correctly, and other people no, I'm not the only one. But there are four ingredients in the Spirit's plan for building the church word, deed, signs and wonders, and power of the Spirit. This is what I think. This is a sermon in the sentence. You may hear this one or twice this morning. But this is it. It's a textbook. It's taught everything for the day. When the Holy Spirit does what only He can do, people draw closer to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit does what only He can do, people draw closer to Jesus. There are four ingredients in the Spirit's plan for building the church. Individual Christians, congregations, and whole denominations could expect his emphasis on one or two ingredients to the exclusion of the other. He said, what, what, what's the scripture for his first? Philip's first? Person was carrying I was, I was uh, raised in the church. I was invited to the church. My dearly departed friend, Ed Morgan, said he was brought up in the church. Uh, there were days, however, I probably was brought up. I, I was raised in the church. Uh, and, and I've, I've observed things for a long time. And, and I see this is true. That, 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 that when you have these four ingredients that the Spirit uses, but people and congregations and even denominations tend to focus on one or two and they ignore the others. But healthy congregations, healthy Christians, healthy denominations utilize all four of these ingredients to introduce more people to Jesus. 
the question is, how does the Holy Spirit build Jesus' church? By word. Word. Telling people about the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Looking at the Acts, talking about the word, saving the word of God. Frequently talking about incessantly telling people about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. He became. He came to save us. He was crucified. He rose on the third day. He's sitting on a throne. That's the word. The word also is teaching people to obey everything that Jesus commanded. Now that's not as hard as you think. You know, obey the two commandments. It's like the application, you know, man, it's a fairly few commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, love God with everything. That's short. Love God with everything. I do it in a true sense of word. I know everybody else is saying. Love God with everything. That's commandment number one. Commandment number two, love each other like I have loved you. Telling people that the word about uh, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, people to obey everything that Jesus commands, the two commandments about loving God and loving uh, each other. And, but these things cannot be done unless the Spirit's power is in them. It takes the Spirit's power to make them effective, eternal. Paul declared that he was not a persuasive word for wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He explained that his lessons came not simply with words, but also with the power of the Spirit and deep conviction. I'm going to pause for a moment and tell you there's a world of difference between deep conviction and being scared. Thank you. 
feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, giving the bread to the thirsty, visiting the prisoners. These are the things that Jesus taught us to do. These are applications of us loving each other like I love you. Paul encouraged the first century Christians by saying, let's not allow ourselves to get discouraged doing good things, but at the right time, we will harvest what is sown. Right now, therefore, every time we get a chance, let's work for the benefit of all. These good works are vital. But alone, they are not enough to get someone who can be believed. A lot of people go out and they live a good life, and they're nice Christians, but people are going to wonder why, and they're going to ask them when they tell them about Jesus. That's the better way we've often done things. But I, I read something with Peter Crowley. He said, when you know I'm going to put credit where credit is due, this man who asked these questions was a professor at Princeton uh, University, one of the Why would we expect anyone who's not following Jesus to start following Jesus simply because we're nice people? A good 99% of the people in the United States are nice. Most of the time. It takes a whole lot more than being nice. It takes a whole lot more than being good. Good things by themselves will not convince anybody to become a follower of Jesus. If that's true now, can you imagine what it was like in the first century where if you said you were following Jesus, you might lose your home, your family, all your possessions, your job, and things you can go by. Why would anybody go, I want to follow Jesus because my neighbor's really nice. I'm going to go do his deal with him and he may go to the Number one reason 
people of the Word of God. It's not out of a need or a desire to want to have a people. But out of a deep-seated, maybe even unconscious longing to experience and encounter the Creator of God. They don't meet Jesus. If they don't experience the power of the presence of God's Holy Spirit, they go away wondering why are they wasting their warning. And if they do it three or four or five or six times, they will not bother. Often serves our emotions, but we've got to understand that it's far more than an emotional experience. I went to school with a man who, fortunately, was part of another denomination, although he's an embarrassment to me because I'm a pastor, so he, you know, he was a pastor. He embarrassed me. He bragged about being able to get his people so worked up emotionally within the first two or three songs of a service. That he never had the proof. I grew up when people would go out of church and they had a service like that occasionally. Well, I was the one that was nervous and actually didn't get the proof. Uh, is more than an emotional experience. We're, we're emotional beings. Just being around the one we were created to be around is going to stir up some stuff. But it's not emotional. It's more than that. The presence can be obvious to some people. Some people can be gathered in the same room, and the Holy Spirit's presence can be so obvious to them. All the people in the same room are going, I've been going to this church for 4,000 years, and I've never experienced the presence of God. There's been people, no matter how long, they've never experienced the presence of God, or they're sitting right here, right now, in the middle of it. It can be obvious for some and overlooked by others. The Spirit's presence, though, when the Spirit's presence is real and powerful, He convinces us that Jesus is for us, that Jesus loves us.